0: I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter number four. And uh, if you'll look down there right quick, we'll read and pray and let you be seated and get into the message. Ephesians chapter number four, we're going to read just two verses. We'll go back and catch a few extra for context, but save your legs a little bit. We're going to read a couple and then we'll pray and let you be seated. Ephesians four, let's look down to verse number 26 and we'll read verse 27. Verse 27. And then we'll pray and let you be seated. It is good to see you here tonight. And I want you to know you're an encouragement to this pastor. Uh, It's good to see our people, faithful, not only tuning in on live stream, but those that are able to make it here and be here in person. And, uh, you know, when this whole thing started six months ago, uh, none of us knew how long it would last or the effects it was going to have on our church, and I just want you to know it's been a blessing and encouragement to me to see our people hold together so well, and a Central Baptist Church, by the grace of God, is holding its own tonight, and I'm very thankful for that, and I want you to know that I appreciate you being so faithful and those that are faithful to tune in, I want to encourage you to continue to stay engaged and, uh, Lord willing, one day this will all be passed. Ephesians chapter 4, look down at verse number 26. The Bible says... Be angry, be ye angry, and sin not; let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Now, verse 26 will be our text tonight. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Let's pray one more time. Lord, I do thank you for the privilege to be back. And I thank you for your word. And Lord, how we need to hear from that and to hear from you. And I pray that we would do just that. Let's open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears to receive your word. Help us respond to it. And I just pray most of all that your will would be done tonight in this service. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I was thinking this afternoon about uh, when I was a kid... Uh, the different preachers, the different kinds of preachers I remember listening to and uh, I used to categorize preachers as uh, funny preachers, uh, mad preachers, uh, sleeper preachers, you know, there's a little bit of all of those around there, variety, and of course I used to love the funny preachers, they would tell the jokes and uh, whatnot before they preached, and one of my favorite jokes that I heard told as a kid many times, now uh, sometimes preachers are shameless and they will claim jokes as their own when they are not their own, okay? I want you to know you do not have one of those preachers. Uh, I'm not smart enough to come up with really good jokes. So I have to borrow those from those people who are smart enough. But one of my favorite jokes, you may have heard this one before. I've heard it many times. And I'm going to, to rephrase the joke a little bit because I believe the preachers who originally told it told it that it involved a bar. And I'm just too spiritual to talk about a bar behind the pulpit, amen? And so we're going to call it a restaurant, okay? There is a difference. And the story The story goes about this man who walks into a restaurant and he sits down in a chair. As he sits there, an individual walks in and tells him that he's sitting in his favorite chair. And he says, well, look, I was here first. What's it to you? What are you going to do about it? And all of a sudden, the guy karate chops him across the neck and he hits the floor. And he says, what'd you do that for? He says, well, that was karate from Korea. And the guy says, well, you're not going to scare me away from my chair. I got here first, and I get to sit here. So he hops back up in the chair. He sits down again. Uh, All of a sudden, whap! right upside the head. The guy kicks him out of his chair this time. He hits the floor. He says, that's judo from Japan. Uh, Well, now the guy's just a little bit got off with, and he just storms out of the restaurant, if you will. And the man sits down in the chair. The other guy sits down. is enjoying his dinner. Uh, Without anything said, the other gentleman walks back in the door, whops him upside the head, man hits the floor, he's laying there unconscious, and uh, the man looks up at the waiter and says, when he wakes up, he says, tell him that was a crowbar from Sears. And the man finally woke up and realized what was all going on, and that really has nothing to do with my message tonight, other than the fact that it involves and includes a crowbar, now, Brother Jim saw me walking in with this tonight. He says, I saw that. I tried to hide it where no one could see it. He says, I saw that. I says, well, this is for uh, everybody who sends me a text during the service telling me the Facebook went down. I'm just a little bit tired of it. And I decided to bring this up to the pulpit tonight. And if, I, if my phone lights up during here and I sling this toward that camera, you're going to know exactly what was happening. But no, seriously, uh, I thought about crowbars involving tonight's message, thinking, you know, you can use a crowbar for a lot of things. And I'll be honest, I've used a crowbar for a lot of things, probably not some of the things some of you have used them for, because I know the temper that some of you have, but you can use it as a form of self-defense, or, uh, or to beat your husband in submission, you can use it for that, but the main use for a crowbar is for leverage, okay? For those of you that have ever had a job where you had to have a construction or something along that line, uh, you've probably used a crowbar, and they are very useful in the area of leverage, because leverage... Leverage helps you do things you're not able to do on your own. A lever is a simple machine, as we call it. It's where you take a small object, such as this, and you apply pressure, and through that, you're able to accomplish a whole lot more through leverage than you normally would be able to on your own. Probably one of the most famous areas that you can see leverage in action was the Great Pyramids of Giza. I've never been there. One day I'd like to go there. I looked at a lot of pictures about that uh, today, and I have a picture. I'll show you a couple, and just how large those stones are. Uh, The Great Pyramid at Giza has 2.3 million stones uh, in its construction. If you see the people there in the picture just how large those stones are. And for many years they tried to figure out how did they get those stones in place. Those stones averaged two and a half tons apiece and yet they were able to take those those stones I think 100 meters into the air to build this great temple and they realized the only way that you could do that was with levers through simple machines. We have an artist depiction of that I'll show you tonight of how they believe they did that those men were not strong enough of themselves to lift those two and a half ton stones to put them in place and so they used a lever that lever when you applied that pressure through that lever you were able to do a whole lot more than humanly possible of yourself and so you see tonight that's what a lever does a lever allows you to exert an amount of pressure and move things many more times the size of what the lever is being used Here's how I want to apply that in the message tonight for the time that we have together. I want you to understand tonight that Satan has his own types of levers that he uses. Uh, if you've lived the Christian life for very long, you've understood that the devil's very good at applying pressure. And what's amazing about the devil is he has his own crowbars that he uses in our life, and he'll take something very, very small and get a lot of motivation or movement in our life through very small things. Uh, It's amazing how little things can derail us often in our walk with God, but that's just how good the devil is by using leverage. He applies pressure, and he's able to manipulate us and move us either away from where he wants us to be or toward where he wants us to be. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read some of these things starting in verse 17 in just a minute. We'll read down in verse number 29 as well. But we see a laundry list of do's and don'ts in Ephesians chapter number 4. Now the context you'll see in verse number 17 where Paul says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. He's showing them the difference that is supposed to be there between the lost and saved. You know, this is a principle that I don't know that the church believes anymore. As a matter of fact, it seems to be that the church is working very hard to be exactly like the world. But to be honest with you, the child of God, there should be a difference with us. That's why the Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. So Paul is saying in verse number 17, there's supposed to be a difference in you. And he gives a big list, we'll look at it in a minute, on things that should be different about us. Now look down, if you will, to verse 26. One of the things he says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Notice there's a colon behind the word wrath. That means the thought continues in verse 17. So he gives all of these specifics, and then he gives one general term or one general rule in verse 27 that we're going to look at tonight. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Now he says in verse number 26, be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. He's saying because if you do, here's what happens in verse 27, you're giving place to the devil. Now we've got to understand this tonight. That when we fail to comply with the written word of God, when we fail to comply with the will of God in our lives, what we are doing is giving place to the devil. We are giving opportunity to the devil. And the devil will use that opportunity to create leverage and pressure in our life to slowly move us away from the will and from the word of God. Now understand this, and I'll give you the two points, and I only have two. Be excited about that. Amen. I gave you one on Sunday, and we went until like 12.15, didn't we? So I thought maybe if we had two we'd back off just a little bit. Can I tell you tonight, as in this crowbar, it doesn't have to be a big thing to accomplish big things. You know, you can take this small crowbar right here, and you can go to the appliances in our kitchen, or maybe to some of the bookshelves in our library, and you can take this small crowbar, just put just a little bit of pressure with leverage, and you can move those great big old appliances with just this small tool. Now, folks, there's things in our life tonight, if you're not careful, the devil's going to use them as a crowbar. They may seem very small to you, but in the devil's hand, he can take something very small, apply the right amount of pressure, boy, I am getting tongue-tied tonight, and move you where he wants you to go. And so tonight, what I want to show you is two things real quickly on limiting Satan's leverage in your life limiting Satan's leverage in your life. Listen, there are Christians every morning who wake up and they have moved away from where they were on Sunday. On Sunday, they're close to God, they're walking with God, their relationship's right with God, they come down an altar, they confess and forsake their sin, and by Tuesday or Wednesday, they have moved away. What has happened? The devil has used something in their life as leverage, and he has slowly moved them from where they need to be. And I assure you, if you're not careful, you'll wake up one day way away from where you started, all because there were little things in your life that the devil was using as leverage. And there's two things in verse 27 I want you to see. They're very simple. Notice what the Bible says. Neither give what? The Bible says place. Neither give place. Now a place is a location. Now, in order for, for me to move something, all right, if I want to move something on this platform, if I want to move this pulpit tonight uh, with this crowbar, I was going to have to get it in the right place, okay? Without a place, I cannot apply pressure. But once I find a good place to put this crowbar and start applying pressure, then I can begin moving this pulpit out of the way. Now, can I tell you tonight, it's exactly how the devil works. The first thing I want you to see tonight is pressure needs a place pressure needs a place if i'm going to move something with this i've got to find a way that i can either get under it or get between it in order to put pressure on it and the devil works the exact same way if the devil's going to move you away from where god wants you to be and come between you you're going to have to give him a place and room to work folks have you ever worked in a confined place Maybe had a small room you're working in. In construction, I don't know how many bathrooms I worked in. You're trying to replace a toilet and there's just no move, room to move around. You've got to have some room to work. Now, I assure you, if Satan's going to work in your life and move you away from where God's called you to stand, you're going to have to give him a place or a location or an opportunity to work in your life. Now, understand this tonight. Most agitations from Satan begin with infiltrations. Most agitations from Satan begin with infiltrations, meaning in order for him to agitate your life and to disrupt your walk with God and move you from where you know you're called to stand, you're going to have to give him a place to enter in. You know, if I can't get this crowbar underneath something, I can't apply pressure. If I can't get it between something, I can't separate it from where it's at at the moment. Now, if Satan can't have a place... And if you don't give him a place, you would be surprised, listen, at just how long you could stand and having done all to stand. Remember Job, a perfect example. When God looked at Job or looked at Satan, he says, hast thou considered my servant Job? But why couldn't Satan get to Job? The Bible says there was a hedge about him. He says, you've built a hedge about him that I cannot reach him. Now understand this. Satan had been going up and down and to and fro in the earth. Do you know what he was looking for? He was looking for a place to get in. Folks, half the things that we deal with in our Christian life, most of the things that I fight with in my walk with God are things that I have given the devil that place to apply pressure and leverage in my life. And tonight, listen, if you want to limit the devil's leverage in your life, you have got to quit giving him room to work. Think about this, 1 Peter chapter 5, the Bible says the devil is a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. Now what's he doing? He's seeking. He's seeking. Why doesn't the devil just eat us all up? Because he can't until you give him a place. Folks, listen, we're all struggling with things with this virus, and it's just amazing when you watch all of the effects it's having on our homes People's hearts, even on our children, I'm seeing effects take place with this virus. I mean, it's affecting all of us. If you're not careful, you'll allow the circumstances that we're going through to create a place that the devil sticks his crowbar in and slowly begins moving you away from God. I told you the statistic is 30%. Most pastors believe they're going to lose 30% of their congregations as a result of this virus, not physically, spiritually. Why? Because these circumstances are providing the opportunity for us to give place to the devil. Folks, listen, Satan's going to exert leverage in your life, but most of the time, listen, it wasn't a sneak attack. He's exerting that pressure in a place that we gave him. Think about this. Some of the greatest disasters in history, both spiritual and physical, occurred because pressure found a place. Think about it. In Scripture, think about the greatest catastrophes in Scripture, those that fell from grace, those that committed great sin upon God and the will and the word of God. It happened because pressure found a place in their life. I was thinking this afternoon, I love studying the space program. I have no desire to go to space. You people who want to go to space, I don't know about you, to be honest with you. You know, Go to the dentist's office like I told you Sunday. Get you some of that laughing gas. It's the closest thing to going to space. I have no idea to go there, but I love studying about it. And I was reading this afternoon about the Columbia. As a matter of fact, uh, I listened to the last audio recordings from the space shuttle right before it broke up over East Texas and Louisiana. February the 1st, 2003, a piece of the heat shield of the space shuttle Columbia was damaged during liftoff. Two days into orbit, they did a roll maneuver. And When they did that, that piece of heat shield floated off into outer space. They did not know it. As they came home and they began to come back through the Earth's atmosphere, temperatures reached 3,000 degrees. You can hear them on the recording talking back and forth saying there's some heat sensors have failed for some reason. They're trying to diagnose the problem before all communication was dropped and the space shuttle flew apart. Do you know why? That heat, 3,000 degree heat, made its way through that hole in the left wing of the shuttle and destroyed it and seven lives were lost. How did that great catastrophe happen? Pressure found a place. It was safe all the way up and that heat shield was intact. But when that one small piece came off, the heat found a place to get in and destroyed it. What happened? Pressure found a place. Can I tell you why most homes implode today? It's not because the devil's stronger. It's not because he's more powerful. It's because pressure finds a place. The devil's walking about to and fro and up and down in the earth, and he's watching your home, he's watching your heart, he's watching your life, he's watching this church, and he's just waiting for us to give him a place to stick his crowbar. You know, there's churches that are bigger than ours, who've been around longer than ours, and have accomplished great things for the cause of Christ, and yet they're no longer in existence. You say, what happened? Pressure found a place. Pressure found a place. The Bible says, neither give place. I read something very interesting today. I did not, even, I did not know this. Uh, I read about the Titanic many times before, but you know when you think about the Titanic going down, you think about these great big old holes in the side of the ship. The Titanic had over 35,000 square uh, meters of steel in its construction. But do you know that all the holes totaled together on the Titanic sinking are less than one meter? Less than one square meter. Over 35,000 square meters of steel, and yet the small slits in the side of the Titanic were less total combined, one meter. What happened to the great Titanic? The disaster was a result of pressure finding a place. It found a place to get in, and it brought it down. Can I tell you why marriages fly apart today? Pressure finds a place. Can I tell you why we lose our teenagers? Can I tell you why? Listen, it's not because we haven't taught them how to live. It's not because they weren't in good churches. Oftentimes, the reason we lose our teenagers is because pressure finds a place. Some point in their life, they gave a place for the devil just to put the tip of his crowbar. He separates them from church. By the way, that's why you better be careful, missing church. What are you doing? You're given a place. You just gave him a place to put the crowbar. You better be careful skipping out on your morning devotions and your morning times in prayer. You say it's just kind of repetitive over and over and over again. But as soon as you skip, you just gave him a place to put his crowbar. And let me tell you something. He's going to take advantage of the place that you give him. I saw something interesting on the news the other day. A house in Montana, brand-new house, new construction. Family was preparing to move in. They told the aunt, the aunt while they were on vacation to look after the house, but she did not look after the house. When they came in off of vacation to move into their new home, this is what they found. Let me show you a picture. No joke, true story in Montana. They found a cow standing in their living room. As a matter of fact, not only was it one cow, but he brought some friends over with him. He had three that had joined the party. Somewhere along the line, as they were working on the construction, they left one of the doors unlocked. The family thought the house was all fine, but this cow had made his way into this new home and decided to redecorate just a little bit. Believe it or not, that was a new house. You say, how did all that mess happen? I mean, why is there stuff all over the floor and stuff all over the walls? I'll tell you what happened. That cow found a place. The cow found a place and he got in. Google it when you get home. It's a horrific story. I mean, I kind of figured the ant was probably written out of the wheel after that. How did that happen? The pressure found the place. What wanted to get in got in. Can I tell you something? The devil would love nothing more than to get in your home tonight. The devil would love nothing more to get in your heart tonight. The devil would love nothing more than to come between your husband and you in your marriage or your wife and you in your marriage. And I assure you, if you give him a place, he will maximize every square inch of it. The Bible says neither give place. Matthew chapter 4, we read about Christ where the Bible says that Christ was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. How many times was he tempted? He was tempted three times. Now, here's the devil. Why is he repeatedly coming at Christ? You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to find a place. The same reason he tempts you and I. The same reason he tempts you men to look. The same reason he tempts you ladies to gossip or to backbite or to be a tailbearer. Whatever you're tempted to do, can I tell you what he's trying to do? He's trying to find a place. And if you're not careful, you'll give him a place. And then you know what happens? He gets in there and he starts prying his way in. Separation begins. And you begin moving away from where you were. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter number 11, the devil did not quit with Christ. And can I tell you tonight, he's not going to quit with you either. He's going to come at you, and he's going to come at you, and he's going to come at you. You know, as a young person, alcohol was something I was never really tempted with. I had friends who did, and I knew they did. I just never was tempted with that. The devil tried a couple of times, never worked, just never, never worked on me. So he just kept going around, going around. But sooner or later, can I tell you, the devil found even where he'd find a spot in my life and tried to pry and pry and pry. If you're not careful, listen, he's going to keep walking around your hedge. He was looking at old Job and thought, boy, I'd love to get Job. And he kept walking around the hedge and walking around the hedge and walking around the hedge. And he was waiting for Job to give him a place. He didn't quit on Christ. What do you think he's going to quit on us tonight? Mark 11, the Bible says, the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. The devil tried to destroy him from his birth. He tried to destroy him, tempting him in the wilderness. And he tried to destroy him even before he was crucified. And finally, guess what? They found their Judas. They found their Judas. One of his own. Now, we know that was God's divine plan. But be careful. Listen, be careful. Because the devil's not going to quit. He knoweth, but he hath but a little time. He's trying to find a place that he can stick his crowbar and leverage you away from God. If you're not careful, you'll give him one. Sunday morning, we talked about sin just for a little bit. Not the most popular subject to be preaching on. Especially in the world we're living in today. If you preach against sin, you're called intolerant. But you know what God calls someone who preaches against sin? He calls them a watchman. You think about what the job of the watchman is. The watchman sits up there on the wall and he's watching the enemy come and the enemy surrounds the city. It's called besieging them. They're cutting off anything from coming in and anything from going off. And that watchman's up there on the wall and he's watching the enemy on the outsides of the wall. And the enemy's trying to find a place to get in. That enemy's trying to find a place where the force can come in and overwhelm the city. And it's the watchman's job to stand on the wall and to point out what's trying to get in. Can I tell you what's trying to get in our homes today? It's sin. That's all it is. We can put a nice spin on it. And we can call it, you know, circumstance. And we can call it psychology. But in the end, what wants in your home, in your life, your heart, and this church, it's just good old-fashioned sin. That's what it is. And the watchman sits up on the wall. And I want to tell you, the watchman's job is not always fun. Ask for the nades. It's not fun, is it? It's not fun having to go to families and say, listen, I think your home's in trouble. And people put their finger in your face. Who do you think you are? I'm the watchman. It's my job to point out things that are coming your way, trying to get in. Because listen to me, there have been better Christians than us who have fallen simply because they gave him a place and the devil used it and slowly worked them away from God. Do you know how many people are on our church roll? I think I heard today, was it 1,500? 1,500, I think was the number I heard today. I did the math just a few minutes ago. Looking around, I counted. I think we're a little bit shy of that tonight. Where are some of the folks at? Well, some of them got moved away, and I'm sure just like the voter rolls, some of them have gone to heaven. Amen? Even though some of them will vote Democrat anyway, some of them have gone on to heaven. We don't have that many here tonight. Can I tell you, there's some folks who could be here tonight that are not here. Do you know why they're not here? At some point in their life, they gave place. They gave the devil a spot to stick his crowbar in, and he slowly wedged them out of church. Let me tell you something. I read Facebook. There's folks who have sat in these pews who hate this place. How does that happen? Somebody grow up in this church. Somebody who sit under preaching that's come from this pulpit for decades. How does that happen? Somewhere along the line, they gave place. And you give pressure a place, can I tell you, the devil's going to use it. That's why Isaiah 58, the Bible says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression. Listen, you know why the preacher preaches against sin? Not preaching against sin to rub your face in it because, listen, I have problems with sin too, all right? Patience is probably my biggest problem. I fought it like you do. But the Bible says to spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, show my people their transgression. Why? Because that transgression is going to blow everything apart. If we just had a little more preaching on sin in America, I wonder if we'd be at this crossroads that we're at right now. What that crowbar does, you think about what a crowbar does. You stick it in a spot. It's going to separate. That's what a crowbar does. It's going to move. You know, there have been times I've tried to get behind the refrigerator, couldn't get behind the refrigerator to work on the, the water line for the, uh, for the ice maker, and you put something behind there and you start prying, don't you? Because what a crowbar does, you apply pressure. It's trying to separate or move something away. And, folks, would it scare you tonight? I hope it does, just to let you know that Satan's got a plan to move you to places that will scare you to death. If you only knew this, the plan Satan has for your home tonight. If you only knew the plans that Satan has for your children tonight. You say, well, how heartless. Well, the, the Bible says the thief is but for to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's there to do. And all that he needs is a place. Just give him a place it might be a television show. I heard a horrific story this week. A horrific story. I can't go into the details, but it was horrific. It all started with a young person and a cell phone. A young person and a cell phone brought disaster like you would not believe. From A cell phone. From a cell phone. Now folks, listen, I'm not against one. I have one in my pocket right now. I'm waiting for somebody to text me and tell me the live stream's gone down. It hasn't happened yet. I guess the crowbar worked. We're just going to leave it up here from now on. Just put it right here. It can be useful but folks, can I tell you, you better be careful what you put in the hands of your children. Oh, I want you to know right here, if you want to reach a young person's heart, you just, listen, right there, buddy. That's a quick way to get to it. And the devil, listen, I saw a family, I'm not exaggerating in the least, you know the story. I saw a family this week destroyed. Because of a phone. Destroyed. Now folks, listen to me tonight. I love our church. I love what God's done here. I'm looking forward to what God wants to do here. But I assure you, the devil's got a plan for this church just as sure as God does. And if we give him a place, he's going to stick his crowbar in there, and he's going to wreak havoc. And you're not going to recognize what this was in two to three years. So, Number one, notice real quickly, verse 27. Neither, the Bible says, give place. Pressure needs a place. Now, if you want to limit Satan's leverage in your life, you've got to decide, I'm not going to give him the place. I'm not going to give him a place. And by the way, he can use just about anything. You've got to be on your toes. That's when the Bible says be sober and be vigilant. Before long, if you're not careful, you're going to give him place and it's going to wreak havoc in your home. Several years ago, I was hunting in Colorado, I was elk hunting. And I decided I wanted to hunt on the, east, uh, the west side of the property. I wanted to walk way into the woods away from everybody else where nobody would bother me. So I found a good place up in the rocks to ambush these elk, and I was very excited about it. And I'm walking over this hill. I climb over this rock, and I'm going right down the edge of the cliff to nestle up and to ambush the elk that I just know were going to be coming in there because I prayed before I left the house. As I ease down the hill, all of a sudden, I hear this gunshot, kaboom, kaboom. And next thing you know, for 10 whole minutes, it was nothing but gunshots. I thought I was in a war. I honestly did. I couldn't figure out what was going on. Uh, and then after the gunshot stopped, somebody pulls out a frying pan and starts beating on a frying pan with, with, an, with a, a hammer or something. Here's what was the problem. The neighbor on the other property right across the fence was a tree hugger. All right? I know we don't have any of those in our church, but those are those people, you know, that don't want you to, to kill animals and to eat animals and things like that. And they saw me coming down the ridge, and so they were trying to scare the elk off. I'm just trying to get in my spot and in my place so I can hunt these elk. And they're going out there nonstop shooting guns and beating on frying pans. I want you to know my flesh was tempted not to shoot them. But at least to scare them. I don't know if it's against the law just to scare people. I wanted to scare them. And the whole time I'm trying to hunt in this wonderful spot, I can't get anything done because this guy's got a spot on the other side and I can't evict him because he owns that property. You see, I wasn't able to hunt in my place because there was a guy who had a space right next to mine and he kept interfering with my place. Folks, you know all the time that's what it is with the will of God. We, listen, we want to settle down and do the will of God. We want to settle down and do what God's called us to do. But there's a space in my life that is won over by the powers of darkness. And we don't have the spiritual courage to evict them. And that's why he just keeps disturbing us and disturbing us and disturbing us. Because we've given him a place. So number one tonight, real quickly. How do we limit Satan's leverage in our life? Well, understand, number one, pressure needs a place. But then watch this, and I'll give you the last thing. The Bible says, neither give place... To the devil. Now you understand this tonight. Satan considers your heart, your mind, your home. He considers it priceless real estate. He'd love nothing more than to get in your home, your heart, and your mind. I did some research today, and the average home price in, America, in Mississippi, if I understand correctly, is around somewhere around $100 a square foot to buy a home. In Manhattan, the average price per square foot in a home is $1,376 per square foot. That's why a lot of people don't live in Manhattan. A lot of people don't want to live in Manhattan. That's some valuable real estate. To go from $100 a square foot here in Mississippi to $1,376 per square foot in Manhattan, that's some valuable real estate. But can I tell you tonight, your home is more valuable real estate than that. Your heart is more valuable real estate than that. This church is more valuable real estate than that. And the devil would love nothing more than to move in here. Why? Because he makes good use of the space that you give him. So how does he get that space? I mean, how does the devil get the space in which he works? The answer is in verse 27. The Bible says neither, what's that second word? Give. 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 You see, not only does pressure need a place, but notice the second and the last thing tonight. Opposition needs an opportunity. Opposition needs an opportunity. Look, Satan can wreak havoc, but he can't wreak havoc until you give him the opportunity. Oftentimes we use the terms, boy, Satan just took this from me, and Satan did this to me, and Satan took that from me. No, the truth of the matter is tonight, Satan can't take anything from you. Oh, Satan just moved me away from God, and uh, Satan just separated me from my friend. No, listen, we gave Satan the opportunity when you gave him a place to put his spiritual crowbar, and he used that leverage to move you out of the will of God. You gave it to him. In the criminal justice system, there's a term that is used, means, motive, and opportunity. Uh, For those of you that like these crime shows, you've probably heard it many times. It's the aspect of a crime that must be established before a verdict can come back as guilty. You've got to have means, motive, and opportunity. All right. The means is simply the devil having the ability. You give him a place, you've given him the ability. And then there's a motive. I don't think the devil needs a motive to try to, to wreck and ruin our homes. He hates us. He hates anything that resembles God. So the only thing the devil needs to wreak havoc on our homes is... An opportunity just give him the opportunity where does he get it from well the bible says in verse 27 the opportunities that he has comes from us giving them to him we give them to him now none of us tonight if we knew someone was trying to break in our home the bible says the good man of the house knew what hour the thief would come he'd sit up and he'd wait on him probably with a crowbar probably something a little bit more high power than that i know you guys if you knew what hour he was coming, you'd sit up and you'd wait and you would make sure he didn't have the opportunity to rob your home, right? The Bible says the devil, listen, desires to do much more to your home than a robber. And he needs opportunity. But the sad thing is tonight we give him that opportunity. We give him, listen, that space to work, and we give him the open door to come in and do all that he desires to do. And that's why the American home and the American church and the shape it's in today, we've given him the opportunity to do all the things that he's done. Bible says, Neither give place to the devil. Second Samuel chapter twelve, we know the story well of David's sin with Bathsheba. The prophet Nathan comes to David and confronts him about his sin. He says this How be it, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Listen to what he said. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given. The enemies of God are going to blaspheme God, not because they're better, but because David gave them the opportunity to do that. How did he do that? By this deed. You see, folks, it's by our actions of disobedience that we give place to the devil, and I assure you he's going to do more with that place than oftentimes we let God do. The sad truth is tonight, the devil usually gets more use out of our heart and our actions and our disobedience than God does. Why? Because we give him place more. Second Corinthians chapter 2, the Bible speaking about forgiveness. Listen to what it says. Lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. How does Satan get advantage of us? Read the verses before. He's talking about forgiveness. Now you wouldn't think of forgiveness as being just one of those deep, dark sins, would you? It's not often that people come down and confess, you know what, I've harbored some unforgiveness in my life. But Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he says you need to forgive. Why? Lest Satan should get advantage of us. When we harbor ill will or bitterness or unforgiveness in our life, listen, we have now created a space that we've given the devil and he's going to work through it. I know people tonight who have held on to bitterness and unforgiveness for years, and it has totally destroyed their opportunities to serve God. That's why Paul says you better forgive. There have been some people who have done some mean things to me in my life. I know that's hard for you to believe. Why would anybody ever do anything mean to Brother Jeremiah? I don't get it either. But my wife's working on it, and she's going to try to be nice to me from now on. No, it's not my wife. There have been some things done to me, and boy, they just hurt. You know, oftentimes you put your heart out there, to try to help people, and sometimes you get, a, you get a knife through it, don't you? And it hurts. It stings. We've all done that. And boy, you just want to ball up, and you want to callous over. You want that conscience seared over. You're not going to help anybody ever, because you're going to hold on to that hurt. You're going to miss out on the opportunities to help other people along the way. You know what? It's just better to let go of it. Why? Because as long as you hold on to that unforgiveness and bitterness, you're giving place to the devil Turn with me, if you will, right quickly to Ephesians chapter five, just a little bit over. The Bible says in verse number fifteen, the Bible says, "See that ye see that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools." The word "circumspectly" means cautiously and carefully. Paul's telling the church at Ephesus, you better be careful. You better be careful. Listen, the devil's had a lot of practice. The devil's going to walk around that hedge and walk around that hedge. He's going to walk around your home. He's going to walk around your children. He's going to walk around this church. And listen, if we don't be sober and vigilant, if we don't walk circumspectly or cautiously, we are going to give the devil the opportunity that he's waiting on to get in this place and to get in your home. Back in chapter 4, we won't take all the time for the sake of time tonight, but verse 17, watch what he says. Don't walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Why? Because when you do, you give place to the devil. The Bible goes on to say, look at verse number, uh, verse number 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so, be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation. That's your old lifestyle. Why is he telling them to put off their old lifestyle? Because the longer you keep it on, you're giving place to the devil. Oftentimes we look at the do's and don'ts of scripture, we think God's just out there to ruin our life, and God doesn't want us to have any fun. No, the reason God says don't do this and do this is because he knows if you do the opposite in disobedience, you're giving place to the devil. And folks, he's going to stick that crowbar in there and do unimaginable things to your heart and your home. This week has been an unbelievable week. I can't show you everything that I've discovered and everything that I've been a part of this week trying to help with some problems, but it's unbelievable, and oftentimes it just goes back to one small area that somebody gave place to the devil, and now he is taking full advantage of that real estate. Oftentimes our greatest opposition arises from something that we gave the opportunity. Our greatest opposition arises from something that we gave the opportunity. Case in point, one you'll know very well in week three of the NFL season, 1992, the Green Bay Packers were playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Quarterback was named Don You Never heard of the guy. Do you know why? Because he injured his ankle during that game. There was a young man sitting on the bench of the Packers just waiting to, pray, uh, to play. And as a matter of fact, he said at his Hall of Fame induction, he says, whether you think bad or not, I was always hoping he'd get hurt. That way I could go out there and play. His name was Brett Favre. Brett Favre goes out there and never gave the starting position back to Don. Matter of fact, he set the record, I believe it was 253 straight regular season games. You see, as soon as that quarterback gave him the opportunity, he got off the bench and he went out there and he never gave the job back. Folks, that's what we do. We come off the field spiritually, not because we're injured, but we come off the field spiritually. He said, You know what? I'm going to sit this one out. I'm going to sit out my walk with God today. I'm going to sit out going to church today. I'm just going to sit this one out. And oftentimes, listen, we never get back on the field. Why? Because we gave place to the devil. We'll give you this and we're done. I want to end on a high note tonight. I don't like ending on a negative note. I want to end on a high note. What happens to those people who don't give place? Well, you have a Joseph. You have a Joseph. Genesis chapter 39, the Bible tells us about Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife, the Bible says she was watching him. She was watching him. And be careful, man. There's a lot of Potiphar's wives out there in the world. Amen? They're there. I told my wife about one the other day, not in our church, but uh, out in about town. I said, I saw a Potiphar's wife today. My wife says, where's she at? Let me have her. My wife, she can get pretty riled up. Really, she can. The Bible says that Potiphar's wife just kept watching David. He was a handsome young man. You know what she was doing? She was trying to find her opportunity. She was trying to find her place. Finally, one day, she made her move. The Bible says that, day, uh, that Joseph fled from her. He ran out of there. You know what he was doing? He wasn't giving her place. He wasn't going to sit there and listen to her talk about how big his muscles were and how cute his smile was and had the little cleft in his cheek or the cleft in his chin, the dimples on his cheek. He wasn't going to stand there and listen for it. Why? Because he wasn't going to give her place. Acts chapter number 20, the apostle Paul says, Bonds and afflictions wait for me when I get to Jerusalem. But what did he say? He says, but none of these things move me. He says, I'm not going to let the devil use these trials that I'm about to go through to get under and to come between. He said, they're not going to move me. Now, Folks, I assure you tonight, the devil's walking about your home and he's walking about your hedge. And he's looking for a place. He wants to get in. He wants to wreak havoc. He wants to separate. He wants to move away. He wants to get under and destroy all that is there. And he's got his handy-dandy crowbar ready to go to work. Tonight, the only way that you're going to limit the devil's leverage in your life is you've got to make sure that you don't give pressure a place. Not going to give pressure a place. I've got to confess something to you. I griped at my wife a little bit today. Sure did. Came home and I set off the alarm at the house. You know, and the police come out to see us every time. They're so faithful about that. I'm so thankful for the police of Hattiesburg. Uh, we're getting to know them very well now. And um, I walked in the door, set off the alarm. And, boy, she's she's aggravated now because I set off the alarm. It was her fault for not turning the alarm off. And so I barked, at her, I barked at her just a little bit. And then we get in the car to come back to the church, and it's just kind of silent. Just kind of silent. I mean, I was waiting for her to apologize. She still hadn't apologized. No, I was waiting on her to say, you know, I'm so sorry. We get to church. I open the door for her. At least I could do that, the GM. I open the door for her and let her in. And she goes around the corner, and I go into my office, and I sit down. And guess what I'm preparing to preach tonight? Sometimes I think the Holy Spirit just sits there in the chair next to me and he says, really? Really? I kind of see him just propped up over there sitting in the chair. And I'm trying to ignore him. He says, "Go ahead, go ahead and try to preach. Go ahead go ahead and try to prepare, go ahead and try to pray. So I did what I had to do, and I called my wife and I says, "I accept your apology." and uh, <laughs> no, I called over and I said, "Look, I'm sorry. I said that was so unkind. I said, "Forgive me. You know why? Because I've seen too many train wrecks this week. I was being frank with you, I've seen too many train wrecks this week, too many homes blown apart, flying apart. I said, you know what? It probably happened with something small. Somewhere the devil got his crowbar in there. He found a place. Found a place. And he started applying pressure. All because a husband wouldn't apologize to his wife for something stupid that he said. Or all because you couldn't forgive somebody that did you wrong. Or all because you couldn't just fess up and say, you know what, I made a mistake and I need your forgiveness. And you, you gave place and the devil got his leverage in there, and he pried it all apart. I've seen too much of that this week. And I said, you know what? It's not worth it. Folks, we can limit the leverage of the devil in our life, but it begins by understanding pressure needs a place. Can I ask you this tonight? Is there a place in your heart, your home, your relationships, that the devil could work his crowbar in there tonight? Is it bitterness? Is it unforgiveness? Is it immorality? Is it just a good old-fashioned sin? I promise you, he's going to wedge it in there. It'll cost you your home. It's going to cost you your children. It's going to cost you your testimony. Who knows? All because you gave him a place, and all pressure needs is a place. And then, listen, that opposition you're facing in your life, maybe the reason you're facing that opposition tonight is because you gave him the opportunity. If I was you tonight, I'd make sure I'm right with God. I'd make sure I was right with my fellow man, because I assure you, if you give the devil a place, he's going to take full advantage of it. And we're going to be broken when all is said and done. Tonight our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's just stop there.